Well, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay. It's homo superior crossing swords. Cling, clang, ching, kung, kung, kung. That was like such a great last minute positive. Must be better. You were yeah. so sure of yourself, and then you got very. I feel like you were like, ah, I appreciate that. I That's true. You've never been in a sword fight, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, issue number one sixty. It's crossing swords. We're doing chapters six uh, through eight, uh, and I'm Kalen, Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Sword Slice Wingate. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, and we are so, so grateful to have Dylan from House of X back with us uh, as our guest podcaster. Dylan, uh, give us a little background on yourself. Um, well, thanks for having me again. Uh, I have my own podcast. It's called House of X. La-ti-da. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it came from a Facebook group. But more importantly, I want to know why the other guests that came after me did not have such sexualized episodes. Like oh, thank you for bringing this up because this is an issue I've been worrying about as well. Um, someone just needs to follow your Instagram to understand yeah. why, Dylan. <laughs> your thoughty ass cosplay. Yeah. Oh, let me just show some more nipple Instagram. <laughs> It's a great and account. If you're not following it, Warpath Dylan, you should follow it. But you, you bring it out what you stick in. <laughs> <laughs> you, you bring up a good point, though. We will ask a sexual question to every guest going forward. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. I appreciate that. Good. All right. Good. Hey, uh, Ryan, do you want to give a quick recap on where we've been? Thank you so much, Caitlin. I'd love to. Uh, previously on X of Swords. Uh, ten champions of Krakoa were selected to compete in a cross-dimensional tournament against ten champions of Araco. The first three people to claim their swords and spots for Krakoa are Magic, Wolverine, and Storm. Meanwhile, a clue given by Saturnine led Cable, Cyclops, and Jean Grey to the mysteriously spooky and empty peak the sword station in space. Um, basically, Cable stuck it in. So that was the sexual thing for that. Done, done, done. Uh, Kaylin, just tell me what happened this week, though. <laughs> sure. So we had we had chapter six through eight. We had three issues. Uh, chapter six was Hellions number five by Zeb Wells Wait, and Kaylin. Kaylin, yeah. can you say it all in one breath? Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep I it really you. sexual then. <laughs> uh, so chapter number six is Hellions number five by Zeb Wells and Carmen Carrero. Uh, chapter seven is New Mutants number 13 by Ed Brisson and Rod Reese, who's back. You remember he did the Jonathan Hickman issues of New Mutants. And this is also Ed Brisson's last issue of New Mutants. Mm -hmm. And then chapter eight was Cable number uh, five uh, by Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto, who are the regular team. So just a quick recap. Mr. Sinister convinces the Quiet Council to send the Suicide Squad, I mean the Hellions, to steal Araco's swords before the tournament can begin. But thanks to Exodus, Sinister has to go with them as their fearless leader. The Hellions, along with that resurrected piece of shit empath, head to Otherworld via Avalon. Jamie Braddock, who is the monarch of Avalon, allows them passage along with his prized horse, Princess Silkmane. But of course, it comes at a price. Sinister's fabulous cape. Meanwhile, as predicted, Magic trains Doug Ramsey and his sentient self-sword, Warlock. Exodus is really feeling his oats this week's non-consensually chokes Doug, telling him that he should be the champion. Who knew that Exodus' FOMO could get this kinky? And then at the peak, Cable, along with his not regular but cool parents, Scott and Gene, are wondering why there's no one in the gigantic space station. Magic keeps asking Cable, when the <laughs> fuck are you and your sword going to get here? Gene realized she's walked into the Broadway off-Broadway production of Event Horizon, a mashup of the Borg and the coronavirus, a.k.a. the Vascora, killed off everybody, and they're trying to infect our erstwhile heroes. To stop them... Cable removes the Light of Galador from the ignition switch and then shows up at the circle with a renamed Light of Krakoa. we got five down and now five to go. Adam, you want to lead us in a discussion? I sure do. Uh, so Dylan, you're our special guest for this week and you were also here with us, I believe, during creation, issue number one. So we've kind of got a lot of chapters in while you've, uh, you haven't been with us. So what are your thoughts so far 
on how this is shaping up? I am actually really loving it. I think that Ten of Swords is really gonna kind of shake up the Dawn of X books. Like we've had a, a year of these books and it might kind of be starting to bore people. So I think Ten of Swords is really gonna shake up all the teams. So I'm pretty excited for it. Nice. Were there any big moments from uh, the past, like, I guess, both this week's issues as well as kind of the past two weeks when we didn't have you on? Were there any big things that you really uh, loved that you wanted to talk about? Um, I really like that we got to see a lot of Siren. I, yeah. I like, I like Z-list characters, so I'm glad that Siren has gotten some spotlight Nice, nice. Um, I also do. You really think Siren Z list? Yeah. <laughs> okay. C, 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 D. Yeah, around yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, C. Yeah. And, and I will say that I think Adam said this on your guys' last episode. I'm happy that Storm had, like, finally an issue because, yeah. like, all the books are, like, on 12 and 13. So we've had a year's worth of books. Yeah. Where Storm's done nothing except for giant size, and all she did there, all she did there was not die. So <laughs> it, it does make me crack up because I think I, I think I pull it back to even since we started this podcast, and I forgot she did have that experience with. Uh, she went back to her hometown at some point, and then there was like a weird demon that was there, and it, that's how forgettable the entire thing was for her. So I'm glad that you're in Team Storm as well. Um, first opening question, why is Hellions number five the best fucking thing ever? Ryan. Um, I would like to personally yell at Zeb Wells because how motherfucking dare him make me love Hellions this goddamn much, five issues in, we're in a crossover, and I've never loved this title more. This is my favorite title, like, in current history, like, that I can remember. It is so well done and we can get in all like into all the little things but like it is so good i stopped halfway through to just go this is great and just like pause i i like i did dishes and then i came back and i was like i just wanted to treat for later because it's so fucking well done i love it so much the dialogue the continuity the character development the choice of characters all their interaction, it's so well done. Oh my God, let's get into it. Kaylin, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree with what Ryan said. Uh, and that's, that pains me because you know how much I hate agreeing with Ryan. But um, <laughs> does anybody else think it's kind of interesting slash weird that we generally have three X-Force books? We have Hellions, which is kind of an X-Force book in some ways. We've got Marauders, it kind of is. And then we have the actual X-Force. Because they all kind of like fill like sort of different roles that like, various iterations of X-Force over the last several years, even the last few decades, have kind of filled. But I don't feel like they're repetitive. I don't feel like they're clones of each other. I just think they're filling certain roles and I'm really, really digging them. Yeah, right? I think, uh, you know, when we do our next Mutant Madness Bracket Challenge, all of these different issues, uh, uh, stories are gonna take up most of the board. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a great time to be an X fan right now, um, and it feels super fun. I uh, Marauders does uh, is super fun. It doesn't feel like an X Force book to me, but it does feel like each one of them has like its own mission statement, and it's very clear down that path, which I like. Yeah, Marauders doesn't seem like one at all. I didn't even think that was an X Force one in the slightest degree. Anyways, um, I love Empath so much. He is a complete monster. And I mean, I've loved him for, what, 15, 20 years now? Because he's somehow the the um, Hellion that survived, and he was also the biggest dick of the entire crew. But he, they they make him so terrible but funny at the same time. His entire conversation with, um, with Professor Xavier at the very beginning was brilliant, where he's just like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I... Just like everyone else, I'm super loving it because I feel like Zeb knows how to write a team book and not like this is Marauders with Kitty and her backup singers. Mm -hmm. and yes. Because at first when I read this, I was a little bit upset that Quanin 
didn't really talk that much. But then I was like, no, she talked a lot in the first four. Yeah. So let's move well, on that, to someone yeah. else. Correct. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, so going through the issue, obviously we start with empath, like <laughs> breaking out of a shell before resurrection protocols have stopped. I love his dialogue so much. And then this whole issue just takes place in the world of like, everyone's trying to get their sword right now, but it's nice to have this issue right now. When we saw the last three issues were just like, hey, everyone get their sword. So it's a little bit of a vacation from the next couple of issues where it's once again, everyone get their sword, which I really appreciate. <laughs> Caitlin? Um, what I've really loved about this crossover in, in general, there hasn't been a weak chapter. I think there's been certain stronger ones, but it feels like uh, everyone is acting very captain sensibly. So of course, Sinister coming to the Quiet Council saying, hey, I got this, you know, ragtag band of misfits that can do some, you know, shady shit, my own suicide squad. Let's go steal a Rocco Swords first before this tournament tournament can even fuck up any of our folks because we know we know what'll happen. We saw what happened to Rock Slide. It makes perfect sense. It this this <laughs> book now makes a ton of sense because none of the uh, the uh, the folks in the Hellions are going to be any of the sword wielders. So I really really love that they've been able to figure out how to bring in all the various aspects of Dawn of X into this crossover. Brent, other than just being kind of fun. I think that this is very smart economy for the storyline because, you know, as we, you know, as we talk, we'll probably talk about later, but the, the fact that people don't really understand all of the rules of this tournament and how Saturnine could decide, you know, if someone's place is taken or if someone breaks the rules, what's supposed to happen, what the possible punishments could be. This as a, a separate kind of side story I think sets up nicely for later, you know, a, uh, a non-arbitrary ratcheting up of the stakes, you know, uh, maybe someone from uh, the Krakoa team is automatically disqualified. Maybe it means they suffer some penalty, but it will feel like a natural consequence uh, of, of what's going on here. Clark? I feel like this is going to be the story that like actually takes us on the adventure around the world. You know, at the end, we're going to have like someone fight in some freaking castle or something in each one of the worlds. But this one's going to like show them off and show the weirder interactions. And it just, I'm very excited for that. I'm excited for them to deal with Geo White Castle, wherever the White Chapel, wherever the fuck her name is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like they're going on their own, like, Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very oh, totally. at the yeah. very At the very end, it's going to be Orphan Maker and, uh, you know, the Egg Woman. Just like, she's going to be carrying him up, like, a mountain to destroy, you know. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Dylan? Um, one thing I wanted to point out is that I know throughout Dawn of X, we've had the banter of Mr. Sinister and Exodus. Mm -hmm. but I, I like that we had this kind of seriousness with them because it helps people realize that we are forgiving these villains and that they're just not an entire table of villains, that they are for everyone. So I like that. Uh, Dylan, I could not agree more. This, this, this literal, this cro this crossover. Ever since uh, Hawks and Pox, like this, this entire run of X Men has brought to light like these villains that we so wanted to know more about. Like Apocalypse, what's his actual story? Uh, Exodus, what is he actually talking about? Like all these people that we wanted to know. Basically, everyone in the Hellions, like. These were like characters that were so ready to be developed and like, like dive deep into, and we never really got to do it. So during this with Krakoa being like a mutant utopia, like it just gave us so much rights to do all these stories that we were never able to before. Cause no one ever thought like years ago, let's maybe humanize apocalypse or Hellion, you know, or any of the Hellions, you know, it's, it's, it's such a fun time to be an X-Men fan right now. Kalen? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think uh, Exodus might have been my, like, low-key MVP of the week. Mm -hmm. uh, Bitch, Because yes. of his, like, one or two panels in Hellions, as well as, you know, his cameo in New Mutants, which we'll get into, uh, where, like, Exodus was, like, kind of, like, he became, like, you know, part of X-Men lore during a time when I was trying to, like, kind of cool off on the X-Men. 
you know, that sort of like the 90s era where like, oh, I know a lot of people really love it, but I'm like kind of iffy on, on that era. And I never loved him that much. And like, I was like, oh, he's just a sycophant of Magneto. I love that like they're finding, like giving him his own voice. Like he is a powerhouse unto himself. And, you know, just that little moment of like basically making Sinister a, you know, like, oh, well, if you're going to send your team, you know, they need their fearless leader, you piece of shit. And then him choking out Doug Ramsey for saying, you, you can't handle this. You're going to fuck this up. I need to take you off the chessboard because I really should be the one who can do this. I've got the fortitude to be able to take on the champions of Morocco. Right. Yeah, I want to make a quick point uh, going back to what you were saying, uh, Ryan, that like, I really hope that we get more of an explanation of empaths fashion because it is such a shame that that can't be the Halloween costume of the year. Yeah. From one angle, paint from another, John <laughs> that's that's the original yeah. Hellions uniform. It is, is it really? Yeah. It, is, yeah. it, it is, but it looks like a knockoff of like a Star Trek outfit, doesn't it? It's it amazing. just looks like just yeah. like a full body yeah. suit that one of the Klingons never wore or something. A female Klingon, yeah. Um let's uh let's pivot our love and affection towards uh the so, two um, other <laughs> Okay, never mind, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about the other books by comparison to this. <laughs> Um, does anyone love how attractive Jamie Braddock has gotten instead of like weird scraggly diaper man? He was he, always hot when they no, first no, brought no, him no, back. No, 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 no. He was, he was no, hot no, diaper man forever. No, no, no. He, looked, he was a he, nightmare. His hair uh, was a mess. And my he diaper looks <laughs> yes. like if He looks like if when Mario gets to the castle and the princess isn't there. And he... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. I love that. Did, does anyone like the fact that there's everyone is like codedly gay in this book? Yes. That, well, yeah. that, so yeah. so oh. right. Sinister is super gay, and then Jamie Braddock seemed very um, fay there as well. The, this is spoilers, and I'm sorry to say it, but Sinister got on season 13 of Drag Race. So <laughs> I, I hate I hate to tell everyone, but like he he is a gay icon you, now. He is so fucking good. Do you think he disappointed Rue by having the same look? Yeah, and it, and they're like. <laughs> Why don't you try not capes? And he's like, I'm out. And he walks Sorry, I'm out. Yeah. So that's super funny because I don't think I really clicked with me while I was reading the book why I liked it so much. But like it is the because I know everyone's like obviously Sinister is extremely queer coded at this point over the past couple of years. But like the entire book is queer coded. Every single person in that book is like a slightly catty, slightly mm -hmm. femme, slightly masculine person that you're just like shit, I want to be you or I want to have sex with you. <laughs> because it's just like, everyone is so entertaining, it's, Ryan. It's all snappy dialogue. Every, yes. Everything in it is just like, uh, it's a reading session. Like Exodus is like, well, the team needs their leader. <laughs> I, and that wasn't even the gayest thing. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, just a couple of things that I wrote down. Watch the tassels. Someone tell Emma's face to catch up. Yes! Um, um, I'm back, piggies. Yes, Princess, that line's brilliant. Princess Silkmane, period. Yeah. What, where are we, Narnia? These are all the best, like, this is the best dialogue we've received. <laughs> and it's so good. It, it really is one of those things where it's like, it's not exactly what I expect when we, you know, like I think, especially for Mutant Madness, we talked a lot about what really makes a, an X book. But I do know that if, if this series was in Mutant Madness, I would want it in first place no matter what anyway, because it's, so it's so perfectly written, I guess. I mean, at least it sounds like for all of us, but like I, I, my eyes were just jumping out at every single page, every line of dialogue, Ryan, you're 100% right. I don't really know Empath. I don't know a lot of the characters like overall histories, but my God, are these characters going to be singed into my mind at the end of this run? So, so wonderful. Kaylin. So question for all of you. Uh, do you think that uh, Saturnine is going to figure out what the Hellions are doing and just try to disqualify uh, Krakoa as champions as a result? Hmm. Dylan, what do you think? Dylan, what do you think? <laughs> um... I feel like she'll probably find out what they're doing, but 
Saturnine is just like sinister and she likes to play with people. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think she'll disqualify them. I don't think she'll care. She'd be like, I mean, it's not going to work. So just, you know, go ahead and screw around and fail. It, it is like the stupidest plan I've ever heard of. It's like you have this giant sword tournament. Someone's just like, but like, what if you steal the swords before they get to the tournament? And it's like, you it son of like, a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, I think it's such a hilariously constructed but I love, it's so great to give it to these peop- these characters and have it treated in such a goofy way that like, I'm so fucking in. Whereas if it was like a serious plot, I'd be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever read, right? But wouldn't it be fun if she like catches what's going on and just like literally rolls her eyes and is like, whatever. Yeah. Just, and, and just literally with her magic, just sends them back home. No one dies, there's no stakes, but they, they just realize, <laughs> We don't matter at all, and we're the worst. I think that would be great, actually. Brent? Going back to the gayness real quick, uh, (laughs) I'm curious what you guys think. Given how gay Sinister is and the fact that he's still making clones of himself, how likely do you think it is that he slept with one of his own clones on a scale of 99 to 100? I mean, 101. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, when when hasn't he slept with one of his clones? I know. Oh my God, there. Wouldn't you come calm down? Everyone would. Their rock paper scissor fight. Everything about the issue. Just I I'm like I I don't know where this this because I, I I have overall enjoyed Hellions and I know we kind of had it was like it's been really interesting but my like I don't know I just exploded at how much I enjoyed this the entire time. Exploded? I was exploded, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Erupted, maybe? Yeah. Empath being given Scalp Hunter as, like, his slave, basically. Wait, Grey Crow, Grey Crow. We gotta call him Grey his Crow, new name. Sorry. And Grey Crow is immediately, like, talking about his sparkling personality, and it's just, like, super gay and amazingly weird. <laughs> yeah. You're I not do, groveling well enough. Well, I still have time to work on it. I do feel like I want to enter every room with the line, I'm back, piggies. I literally <laughs> want to walk downstairs after this and say, I'm back, piggies, to my parents. I know. Oh, my God. Dylan, I was even going to say, because I know that you, you mentioned and you were right, that, that uh, Quanon didn't have a whole lot of lines, but, like, even just her own, like, her, like, two lines were kind of, like, hilarious in a way of just, yeah. like, you need Mo- to go do this. All we're yeah. doing is probably a suicide mission. And, Mo- and- most, uh, most of her lines were just her basically watching everyone else be so gay. Like <laughs> she had like two words, but then the rest of it, she was just like, Jesus Christ. I, I, I liked the weirdish father figure thing between Magneto and Mr. Sinister, where they were like talking about this ex couple of Havoc and yes! Noir. <laughs> just like, don't talk shit about my daughter. I'm sending you off to get fucking killed. It's pretty amazing. So this issue does bring up a good point of like, the Quiet Council is stupid sometimes. <laughs> because be, because Jean Grey, just because she's on a space mission, could not be there. Other people could, like, I'm busy tonight. Like, I can't make it. I have a potluck or whatever. But like... For them to not be there and then them all vote, it just makes so many of the decisions seem so in, inconsequential. It, it makes all their decisions seem so stupid right now. Is anyone else feeling that way yeah. or is it just hard times call for hard measures or whatever? No, it's, it's very much like a, a kind of like a pantheon of gods almost at this point where you watch a bunch of like bumbling people that are pretty powerful yell at each other, play with each other. Like, I think, I don't know if that's their intention, but it's, totally set up extremely nicely in the sense that it's like, these are a bunch of super powered people that like, I've only, I've never really seen it through the X-Men's eyes because the X-Men are always usually like trying to fight up. And instead it's like, because they've really clearly reached their kind of like peak evolution ahead of X of Swords, with our Ten of Swords with, uh, with Krakoa, they like almost have not that much to do. And it's like, they'd rather just like bicker and fight, which I, I love. Like, I think it's really nice to watch the interactions, like how I would expect people to act when you have an entire fucking island and curing medicines for every disease except for super syphilis. <laughs> Brent? Uh, Caleb had a hand up first, Caleb. Um, I think it just shows how hard it is to create a government, like a functioning government, uh, even though they generally have, you know, same or similar goals of like, you know, protection and, you know, the, the flourishment of, of the mutant race. 
but like there's so many oppositional forces on this quiet council and they only have three real rules you know um make more mutants kill no humans and protect krakoa and like that is not a constitution it makes so i'm curious to see like if this will result in them creating even more bylaws and like you know other sort of like you know codifying certain statutes of of this and it creating even more problems that's the kind of shit that i really want to see uh i do agree with you ryan like it's the quiet council is dumb as fuck but it's kind of it's designed to be like there's no way you can bring 12 people and then have them like uh get consensus when you have mystique exodus and Nightcrawler, you know, all trying to make decisions. And it's like, of course, there's going to be chaos, right? Yeah, I mean, if you didn't, if you don't like this system, you'll be glad that they threw out the earlier system that was drafted, which was they were going to have uh, the Quiet Council vote for an elector uh, who would then represent them on the Quieter Council. <laughs> I hate that so much. I know. <laughs> all the different regions should get different electoral votes. Uh. Uh, Dylan, what you thinking? Um, I just wanted to bring up the fact, that why is Nightcrawler, like, on the council? I feel like he does, <laughs> besides the fact that he hasn't really been in the Dawn of X, every time they show him, if he says something, everybody's just like, well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, actually. Like, is, is it, did they maybe bring him on because he's, everyone's like, he's a moral center or whatever, but maybe, That's like, exactly like, right. Yeah. The, the religion side of it, maybe, too. He, like, has that sort of plug-in back to the whatever the the normals call their real world or whatever. Just, like, back it's to... It's also... I think it's also the fact that, like, he kind of got, gets along with everybody. Like, yeah. everybody likes Kurt, you know? No, even, like, the bad guys are like, oh, yeah, he's an all right guy, you know? Mystique's like, yeah, that's my son. Um, so I think that's the reason why, but, like... I want there to be, I know there was a giant size issue about him, but not really about him. Yeah, uh, it was not I, about him at all. <laughs> I want there to be like, I want there to be, I know we had, I think it was X-Men number seven or eight, uh, where he, they kind of focused in on the Crucible and like he, he had a feature, but I want like a focus on him in the same way we got a focus on Storm uh, on, in last week in Marauders number 13. Adam? Uh I'm pretty sure they only have him on the Quiet Council so they can just slap his like quotes over and over again at the front of the books because I feel like I'm constantly opening them. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's the character. That's yeah, the he, they're like, every time he talks, they love him because whenever he talks, his comments just disappear. <laughs> um, okay, Clark, are you ready to move on to the other two books now? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Dylan, what was your read on uh, New Mutants and um, Cable? How'd you feel about them? I liked New Mutants. I don't care for Cyclops and Jean, so any book that is just oh. about them, I'm not going to care about. But <laughs> I liked New Mutants because I don't. I'm not a huge magic fan, but I liked that oh. they had magic train Doug because they're friends and he's. Bambi, so yeah, you need the psycho demon killer to train Bambi to do something. So, and I I read love, that in a parenting book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I love Rod Reese's art. I kind of want like a pinup of that picture of Exodus, and I don't yeah. even like Exodus either. But that was oh, a, a beautiful so image. Can I just say, don't I'm shocked that you don't like magic. She seems oh. very much like in your yeah. like. Like, you love Emma, you love M, like, you love these, like, sassy, badass women. And, like, you know, magic is very much in that, you know, in that, like, sort of, like, archetype. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm a little surprised. I know, it's weird. I, I don't I, like her. Well, I think there <laughs> you don't is, like her, it's her bangs. There is a sort that of, be it. that's an interesting distinction, because I do feel like there's a sort of, um, I don't want, I don't want like like downtroddenness to magic where like M and Emma both come from very high class and so they're they're bitches cuz they're just rich and they're like fuck you I'm better than you. Magic doesn't necessarily think she's better than anyone but she's got the, like it's not even a chip on her shoulder she just exists in a world of like she was hell for 15 years. It's like, well, that's what I mean it's like she's very furiosa which I think obviously like I'm sure everybody loves furiosa from um Mad Max but like there, there is a bit of a different quality to her because she's like, she's more blunt and harsh as like a weapon, not as like a mind. 
which yeah. I like. I think I it's just, her. Her power comes from being like, "Hey, I could probably kill you, so I don't even think twice about you." Honestly, Adam, Adam are you saying that because um, the actress who played Magic in New Mutants is going to be young Furiosa? <laughs> I didn't, but I did just read that, so yeah. I incepted myself. <laughs> well, <she> really. <laughs> Anna, whatever the fuck her name is. That's so funny. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I just saw this morning. Can, it, can I ask a question that doesn't make any fucking sense for New Mutants? So we've been told in previous issues that we have three motherfucking days, which is less than the ring days, <laughs> like on how to learn to be great at a sword that you've maybe never held before in your entire life. That seems like a lot of time. I think Doug, at the end of this issue, did the right route and being like, everything's a language i know language let me look at it through that lens so like i don't know why like other bitches weren't coming up to him besides like magic that is a great swordsman but like he needed other help and other stuff like it you can't learn all that shit in three days so i'm hoping he's going to lean into the language part of it it feels like he will but still i thought it was a really cool way to explain away how he could possibly be in a fight. And I mean, it does make sense, right? Like there's there's movements and movements could be letters, they could be this, like it all, it does actually really sell for me like how he could possibly become stronger. The only thing I really laughed at in the issue is the quintessential, I'm learning how to sword fight, so I'm gonna get beat up. And then the next day I'm gonna be able to block for the first time and then you're gonna punch me in the face because that happened <laughs> every fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Brent. Yeah. Adam, you've always mentioned the love languages, and I never knew one of them was sword. <laughs> it's only it, a love it, language for gay men. Yeah. Especially, ah, yes. Oh, my Especially God. Uh, Kalen. Oh, no, I was just agreeing with uh, Dylan. <laughs> Fine. Uh, I'm acts of service and stabbing you in the face. Brent? <laughs> um, does anyone else think it's kind of weird that so I get why Krakoa wants to keep uh, Doug around, you know, wants to have him be substituted in for someone else. And he's like, there's no other way we could communicate, you know, with mutant kind on Krakoa. And then he sends in Mondo and he's like, I don't like this system, but it is a system. There is a way of getting through it. Just Mondo the human telephone, basically. Just an old rotary phone, this motherfucker, like, walks in. <laughs> I'm yeah, so I think... Oh, good again. Uh, I I think that's kind of foreshadowing because I I feel very uneasy about what's going to happen to Cipher at the end of this. I mean, like Magic basically says, you're like, you're. She basically says you're not going to survive or you're going to come back different. And I think Mondo is going to be the communication sort of channel for Krakoa with the with the rest of the residents. Mm. Dylan, um, I wanted to say two things. Uh, one. Uh, a few years ago, there was a reboot of New Mutants, and Doug had to, like, learn magic to go to hell so they could sell, save magma or something. Yeah. But I, I kind of feel like at some point in time, Doug could very possibly, very well possibly become, like, a supervillain that the X-Men could not stop. Mm-hmm. That's just a thought that I have on Doug. And then another thing, Doug and Krakoa is, it kind of just makes me feel like Apocalypse and Richter and just everything about Dawn of X is so gay that <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, the only thing that really sticks out to me is every time I see Doug and Krakoa talking, I think of Krakoa talking like, and I, Kaylin, you'll probably be the only one that gets this reference, the like the whale they're trying to transport in the forest in The Simpsons. I just picture Krakoa <laughs> going like, <laughs> yes absolutely that's a, that's a great comparison um i i kind of want because it feels like warlock and doug have a very close relationship that is be- best friends but it could even be uh, like doug i don't think has ever really had a romantic relationship so it feels almost like they're two partners intertwined with each other in a very like fun asexual way where they're just connected on a different yeah. level that I yeah. really like to see. And I like the idea, and this is just in my head, that <laughs> Krakoa is mad at the the asexual relationship between like Doug and Warlock, because they are so intertwined together, quite literally. 
I, I, it, it's just such a different look at relationships in general. And I, I yeah. kind of applaud this series for doing it. Clark? Cypher had that weird thing with danger in that new X Factor series. It's a good point. That's right. But then Warlock, then she also wanted to bang out Warlock. So maybe they could just remove <laughs> that side of the threesome and just, you know, go after each other. Well, she's it's wonderfully sexual. queer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we've definitely, I feel like we've talked about before that Cypher kind of fit. It's like, Obviously, with Warlock, with Krakoa, it's almost like a nature technology back and forth for him, which I think is also a really cool connection. Yeah. How this, you know, he has obviously superpowers, but he's pretty much a typical human being, exists between what, what is best for him or what, what is right for him. Um, well, so Dylan hated Gene and Scott, but how did you all feel about Cable? I mean, I don't like Gene at all. So at least I, I have half of the same <laughs> agreement with him. Um, it was fine, yes. Brent? <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, her costume is so stupid, but I'm liking <laughs> more and more every issue. Uh, it, it's like each artist is trying to take something that fundamentally looks like the worst outfit ever and make it look serious and reasonable and presentable. But I'm definitely loving these, this group of, like, alien parasites that have infected sword um because whether or not this is something that really affects the uh, tennis sword storyline i think it's a interesting just uh, side complication that um you know it, it makes the world feel more full um even if it if it's not going to have any consequences immediately kk um i don't like gene either um but I, I'm liking her a lot in, in these books because Jean, to me, for decades has been sort of been written as this tragic figure for so long. And like now she finally just has, she's just like kind of, you know, a very like self-fulfilled, you know, kind of uh, badass chick who just, you know, like exudes confidence. Um, this is probably my least favorite issue of Cable thus far, a series that I've really liked. I think it's a fine chapter. I like the banter with uh, Scott, Gene, and Cable. Um, and the Viscora could be interesting. Uh, and I, I appreciate what you said, Brent, about like it, it's sort of like filling out the world. I think it's going to probably be followed up in the Sword series that's uh, starting this December. Um, but the resolution felt very pat to me. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. just pull out the sword from the ignition, and that's going to kind of deal. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, that felt. I was like, all right, I don't know why you, we went through all this just to do it. I mean, the whole the whole point of this was just to get Cable back to Krakoa. And it was like, what, it was really two scenes, one in New Mutants, one in Cable, where Magic just yells at him, what are you doing? Get the fuck back here. And it has to happen twice. And that's the only really relevant part of that chapter uh, in this crossover. Ryan? Totally agree with the... Making Jean so important over the years has made her too fantastical that it's like even tough to deal with her in scenes. So not putting her in the background, but making her just more practical and just think a little bit more about stuff, like do her own side missions. She's still a very like powerful psychic. Just having her in that context on the side is so smart and good. And also she just kind of is, she, she seems over it too, which I kind of like her more now because of it. With that said, I, I think they should always have a side villain. This is fun set up for later. Um, I, I'm just wondering what is actually happening on the peak. It's very clear that when Cable took it out, it wasn't as easy as that. Maybe some sort of virus or something came with him during with the sword. It's, it's very obvious that that was too easy of a fix. So I'm I'm pretty excited to figure out what that is, Brent. What do you think? Yeah, I think I uh, I, I should probably revise what I was saying because um, I think you're right. It's Kaylin. It seems weird to send Cable off just to have him come back. I think that the proof that this is actually worth something is that it's part of Saturnine's plan. You know, because she was the yeah. one who sent this. Oh, yeah, that and be it it I don't know in what way it would need to be consequential, but I, there, there should be something about her plotting and moving like it's a good point. Best pieces that it matters. That's I, a very good point. I was trying to figure out because, like, obviously, and I can't tell if it's just like window dressing to keep the tension that didn't really exist with him pulling out the sword. But like, Gene says, like, 
Nathan. And I almost like feel, I thought wasn't sure if something happened with Gene and Scott at the end or they just blew everybody up. But it, I'm like, I think to your point, like somebody's bringing something back with them essentially, um, which should be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, Ryan. This is a logistical question. Um, so apparently magic has something you have to put on the ground that looks like some sort of Star Wars um, translator thing that you can communicate through things. And then other people had stuff on their arms. But let's let's try to get their technologies together and make them make sense. <laughs> like, what is it? Like, it, it's all over the place. They should just figure it out at some point. No, because because the don't say Krakoa. It's not always Krakoa. One, the ground one is like the widescreen version of the, oh. the one. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, and that's the other one's like the iWatch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and it is funny because we we've talked about this I think on the podcast probably even last week, and then uh, Dylan I know on House of X even today, um, uh, everyone was talking about like what the fuck do they do when they're standing around in that circle? <laughs> and it's like it keeps getting weirder and weirder the more people you add up, and everyone's like, "Welcome back," and I'm like. You're just casually hanging out, making faces. Yeah, uh, is there snacks? Yeah. Dylan, you missed me talking about teleporting urine last time. <laughs> that's, that's how they pee. Since Magic can teleport, she's teleporting her urine out of her. I listened to it, and I, okay, well, I, I, I stopped at that point. So I don't All right. know. Oh, I'm, I'm bringing it up again. I'll bring it up every single time until they finally get off those circles. Dylan, what's your take on the circles uh, and anything in between? The circle, like, it seemed confusing. I was going to agree. Like, are they just standing there the whole time? But we know that magic isn't because she walked away and yeah. fought Doug. So why are you even standing there to begin with if you can walk away? <laughs> and That's the thing. I, my, I, uh, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. I was just going to say my thinking on this is that what they've got to balance creative, like visually, is having everyone kind of get, getting you, the viewer, excited about the buildup of everyone being there and also balance the fact that each time you look at that circle, it's like time displaced. So the way I imagine it, it's basically like they're filling in all the information that's happening in over three days, but you're basically seeing the third day where people are all kind of lining up Okay, that makes sense. I, well, also, that was someone's corpse, too. So I want to bring that up as well. So you're saying the X-Men really want to look cool for, like, anybody who happens to be seeing them? So every once in a while, they all just stand <laughs> together in a circle just for the effect? I think that Magic, like, shows up. She's there. She was, like, she put it down immediately. So she's, like, walking away. She's, she's training Cypher. She's having a sandwich. She's enjoying it. She's peeing in jars. She's doing everything she wants, but like what, what you're like really seeing when they're all there is like, all right, so Magic is there. Wolverine has just showed up. Storm has just come back from a diplomatic mission. Cypher's finally joined up. All of them are like congregating. And it's like that stuff is happening over an hour long period rather than, you know, people are just waiting there for three days. Kalen? Yeah, I, um, I think it's a little bit, oh, did you say Dylan or Kalen? Just Kaylin. go, Kalen. Go. Um, it, uh, it, it just, okay, well, uh, it just makes me think a little bit of like, you know, when you make plans for brunch and it's like 1230, everybody, and they just all come in one at a time. And it's like, yeah, we'll start with the bottomless mimosas. Well, that's because just we, there should, drinking. We, we should start earlier, Kaylin, than 1230 or one. I want to start at 11. I keep telling you this. That's, that's breakfast. Great. That's not no, brunch. No, let's just do it earlier. Okay. And by you are the magic of the group then. Fuck off. You wait at the fucking circle. Dylan, what were you going to say? I, I was just going to say, who isn't excited to put it in really quickly? So, <laughs> yeah, that's why. Just and a, then yeah. just, like, oh, let it blow. Oh, Dylan, I, Dylan, I wonder why your podcast is so sexual when you're on as a guest. I couldn't fathom. <laughs> <laughs> um... I, I mean, we, we we literally saw Cypher have a full three day, three days of training, so we know that he didn't end up on that fucking circle day one or day two when everyone um, else slowly right. starts showing up. So it has to be time lapse kind of situation. Or, yeah, you know, fucking hurry up, Gorgon! Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got a lightning round question for you all. What did you all think of this week's uh, deep dive into the location? So Dryador, Avalon, Hot Hive, and Blight Spoke. I mean, Avalon is, is good because we straight up saw it. Yeah, we know it. 
But it, I do like whatever Gia White Whitechapel. <laughs> I don't I, remember I, where the fuck she's from, but we don't even see her. But I like her. I I'm digging Hot Hive because I just want it to be a series of like B people being like eh, just like going about their business and like. <laughs> but they're, they're sexy B people because sexy B people. That's my costume this year that I can't yeah. show anyone because of COVID. Brent. Um, I'm liking, I do like Hot Hive. I like the pair. I love Hive Minds. Love when parasites infect them. Very exciting. <laughs> Blight Spoke made me very annoyed and uncomfortable because there's a typo at one point where it's called Bly Spoke. And <laughs> to look back up at what its stupid name is. Worthless. Dumb world. I hate Bly it. Bly Spoke is the British version. Everyone's Shut, up, Clark. Shut the fuck up, Clark. When, when they mentioned Gia White Chapel, you see, that's a very British last name, so they had to change it just for her. Fucking don't drop the T. Yeah. They have T's in England. They love hey, T. <laughs> they have quite a lot um, of T, yes. So, Dryador, I'm glad we they brought it up because we saw that in creation number one when you had the forces of Morocco, like the four horsemen, basically said the Dryador has been taken down, so it's what. Famine and pestilence are the rulers of Dryador uh, yep, now. Correct. Um, like they've like they've definitely annexed that kingdom, uh, and I really love like seeing that kind of world building happen. How Clark? much? How, how many have we gone through? All twelve? How many do we have left? Uh, we or, no. There's only is it twelve or ten? Ten. Well, ten. Yeah. There's I ten. Have we gone through all ten? I think it was I, three, three, and four. Um, so, so we've gone, so through, we all gone through all We're like six yeah. or seven, yeah. Yeah. And we'll see them all in Hellions, we think. <laughs> so, so next week we can decide which one of each one is us. I'm yeah, pretty sure I've blight spoke, I've decided. And then maybe our sex Celestial question. graveyard of failed realities. That sounds right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, what, what, what was the poison one? I thought that was perfect for you. That one is, this place is poison. Period. <laughs> Clark, uh, Clark, I need that as your uh, dating profile opening. <laughs> Celestial Graveyard Tinder. Celestial Graveyard of Failed Realities. <laughs> Actually, Clark has a really good point because uh, when everybody's in this crossover, I think there's like 10 of us from like all five podcasts. <gasps> so we should assign one person to each yeah. of the worlds. Yeah. Like, and we'll say, how are you going to have sex in this reality? Is what yeah. we'll say. Yeah. Let's go to Thought Hive. <laughs> Blight spoke teams with the dangerous trash of every reality. <laughs> this is this is perfect. Yeah. Also, uh, there's a serious raccoon problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Uh, extra bonus question: Did anyone read the uh, handbook this week? Any interesting finds, Kalen? My favorite part of it was uh, seeing the visualization of all the parts of Krakoa. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, I was like, like going back to like previous issues um, through Dawn of X and giving us like a little bit of a visual cue of where the parts are. I love that kind of like map type, like this is where, how every place relates to another, uh, really exists. The rest of it was, I think, interesting. There were some like, I think, uh, wild card choices like brew being in there. Um, but, um, you know, I think um, it's good to just have a lot of that like sort of history sort of condensed in a couple of pages just to remind us like where these characters have been and where they currently are. I really like the fact that there was a Wolverine one because I don't get enough of his history. <laughs> <laughs> his nine page history or whatever you want that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I wanna agree with the fact or the point that Kaylin made of certain characters that were highlighted. I feel like they wouldn't come out with this handbook for any no reason and not highlight some of these characters so yes. i'm i'm happy that megan was highlighted i hate when yeah. people call, call her gloriana though it was mentioned Agreed. in literally one issue yes. of um mi13 which was an amazing series but okay what's worse gloriana or prestige as a code name uh, it's a prestige it's always prestige you could say any, yeah. it could be like cum dump or prestige <laughs> or prestige <laughs> Pump Dump is a great name. Pump Dump is great. Uh -oh, okay, I wait, 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 wait. Which X Men would would Pump Dump be the best code name for? Uh, Bob Herman. Sinister, oh. maybe. Sinister. Pump Dump. Dupe. Dupe. Yeah, Dupe's a good. Dupe. One. I would hope wait, that Dupe. it's not Glob because you would see it. 
Constant. <laughs> That's exactly why. That's all the <laughs> stuff that's on the inside of his so, overall so, pink shell. So, like, I mean, the 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 years go by, and there's just it starts it's filling up. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It he just, slowly he just, stops being pink. He, he, he just, just water in it. He's all like right, two all inches right. higher. Sorry. All right, one <laughs> sentence or less. What would be your shining sword moment of the whole week? What's your best moment, Brent? I think that um, you know, in a lot of the recent past, Mag. Um, uh, Charles Xavier has been kind of ominous and terrible, uh, or at least, you know, ominous. And there was a very nice moment he had with uh, Cypher, where Cypher was saying, I've got to take this responsibility on myself. I've got to fight this battle, regardless of whether or not I want to. And there was a kind of proud fatherly moment that Xavier kind of expressed of like, yes, it's very good that you're kind of growing and developing as a person. And I thought that was a really nice uh, uh, character moment for Charles. Nice. Kaylin. Uh, it was the aforementioned a rock, paper, scissors fight between the two sinisters, mm -hmm. and then not, and us not knowing which sinister had to go to Avalon. Yeah. Love it. Ryan. Um, over the years, we've gotten a bunch of like X Men sidekicks. Um, well, the Lockheeds, the like all the ones that we know. Um, one that I would like to add to the list that I think is phenomenal is Silk Mane. Because I want Silkmane around for years upon years <laughs> upon. Like, she outlives Xavier. I would want her around for now. Butter rum outlives butter, butter yeah. rum. I, out I with butter rum and with Silkmane. I you just know what really I mean? need someone to, to, um, to fill yeah. my butter rum to, to carry the mantle on. That's very true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Dylan, Clark, any big shining moments for you? Um... Like, no, I hated these. <laughs> no, I, I actually, Did I you hate the X-Men. <laughs> yes. Um, I liked Xavier and Hope both like tapping out of dealing with empath. They're both yes, just like, that was so yeah, good. I hate this. But <laughs> one, one other moment I want to say is I love the fact, I mean, it didn't really, it's not like a moment in the books, but I love the fact that besides the fact that magic is going to have to go to other world to, like save earth with everyone else she now has to babysit doug and cable how like Ugh. i hate her but i, I know feel, i feel bad for her i know i feel terrible it's basically like katniss everdeen and like having Peta and then 40 other people she has to like babysit in the second movie <laughs> or book or whatever but like, yeah it's the same thing it's so <laughs> fucking annoying that's buffy it, it's it, buffy it's, with the, well, her scoobies these are individual shining moments clark <laughs> Uh, I love um, Nanny singing a very weird song to Orphan Maker that has nothing to do with Impact dying and getting a new body. She just starts singing about Teen Fate and going to bed. It is bizarre and stupid. And she's got these like beautiful lips that she's just like almost kissing him. It's very bizarre and I love oh, it. God. Uh, I'm just going to say every page panel conversation that happened in Hellions. Uh -huh. Okay, amazing. Uh, next week, we've got Excalibur 13 and X-Men number 13, and we've also got our special guest continuing our crossover, Brett, not to be confused with our Brent, Brett from Comic Book Queer's Legacy. Uh, but he doesn't fucking matter right now. Dylan matters. And Dylan, let listeners know where they can find you. You can find me at my podcast that's called House of X, or you can find me on Facebook at my X-Men Facebook group that's called House of X, <laughs> or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Warpath underscore Dylan. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We love having you as always. Uh, Brent, where can the listeners find us? You can check out our regular issue released every Monday morning. Plus, you can check out the Krakoan morning talk show, Vicky and Kiana talking swords every Tuesday where next week we find out the fate of the late Sticky Vicky. And you can find us uh, with your eyeballs on iTunes or your earballs, Spotify, Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast, Twitter at Homo Superior X. Thank you so much for listening. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Dylan. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye.